Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our New Life family, our regulars. Good morning to all of you who are uh, joining us, maybe for the first time or the last week or two. We're excited to be able to be here again. You're going to see from behind me that uh, we changed our location. Uh, just really wanting to abide by what the government is asking us to do. So I'm here at home in our back sunroom, and uh, you're maybe going to hear the thunder and see some lightning flashes. Uh, that'll just add to the, to the elements of the morning. Thanks for joining us. I'm sure a lot of you are sitting at home and thinking, hmm, I kind of like the idea of not having to go out in the cold and the wet, and hopefully they just keep doing this when they go back to live services. Well, let me assure you that we're thinking about that, but if it's a cold, wet morning, I'd still want you to come and join us in person. It's just better seeing you in, in person rather than just through the screen. Trust that you've had a good week. We've been uh, busy trying to continue looking for ways to help people and trying to uh, add to what we can offer uh, online and in different ways that we've never explored before. Like I said last week, we're building the plane as we fly it, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So one of the things that we have brought into this week is allowing you to see somebody else other than just me. So earlier this week, we had Chris Stadig, our children's director, do some announcements, and we're going to switch you over to her right now. Good morning, everybody. I am Chris Static. I'm the Director of Children's Ministry at New Life. And I'm just recording this to pass it on to Paul. I'm actually recording it a bit earlier in the week. But um, just so that uh, I could say hi and just to, uh, you know, connect with you guys. So all of our staff are working from home, but we are here for you. And we just want you to know that, you know, we may not be physically in the building, but we're still available and we're still here if you need anything. So if you need to email us or chat with us or anything, you can do so at newlifecallingwood.com. So please connect with us if you have a need or if there's some way that we can just connect on whatever level you need. So we do hope you're all adjusting well and abiding by what the government's telling us to do, staying home, keeping the distance, all of the things you need to do. Um, I know it's hard. I know it's probably a little boring and depending on how many kids you have, it might be a little bit challenging too. But you know what? By doing what we need to do, we're all trying to be safe, which is great. And you know what? As Christians, the biggest thing we can be doing right now is praying. Praying for our government, praying for our frontline people, praying for our families and our church families. So, you know, that's just a great way to be at home and do what you can still do. We do miss seeing all of you. And uh, we do miss just that time where we connect together. But we are able to do that online, which is great. So we ask you or invite you to say, hey, you know what? Can we pass this link on to some of our friends? This is a different way for people to get connected at New Life. And it's kind of exciting because they're home and they're doing their own thing. So that's kind of neat. And you know what? We do have the opportunity where you can chat while Paul's, uh, when the sermon first comes up and, and you can see that you can put your chat online. Please take advantage of that. That's just a cool way to connect with everybody. It's kind of like our Fourier time, except you have to provide your own coffee this time. But just remember that during that chat time, put your stuff up before or after. But remember when Paul's talking, it's a bit distracting if people are doing it when he's talking. So just think about that. We do have a few updates for you. Not too many, but a few. Um, we are going to be offering an online time for kids. 
So I have compiled many um, emails. I've had some great helpers do this, make calls to parents and say, hey, we're here. This is what we want to do. And so if I don't have you on my email list and you would like to have your kids connect with us, you can do that by emailing me at children at newlifecallingwood.com and I will make sure your kids get connected. So I'll be sending out a link on Monday and then later in the week where the kids are all going to come online and we're going to have a time together and it might be crazy, but it'll be great and it'll be worth it. And if you guys didn't get to see Steve, I know there were, there, there were quite a few of us on there that got to connect with Steve when he did his worship time on Wednesday. It was so fabulous. Thank you, Steve. We loved that time when we just got to worship together and read some scripture and be part of that community again together. So thanks for doing that. That was awesome. And you know what? Um, we are still ministering to some people. We have a team of people that are reaching out, providing some meals for the Out of the Cold program and connecting with some of our seniors that are at home and don't have access to internet. And there will be other projects like that coming up. And everything we're doing now is virtual, including... Um, our offerings and if you want to donate to new life we would so appreciate that but we understand it's a hard time we get it everybody's facing the challenges here if you're not impacted maybe you know you can think about can I give a little bit more and if you are impacted financially by this we get it and really it's okay that's totally fine but um, if you are wanting to uh, give, you can do so online by clicking the Give button on the website up in the top right-hand corner, and it'll walk you through what you need to do there. You also can still give a paper copy, and there's going to be an email come out to tell you how to do that. So um, you can always do that. We'll, you can read those instructions, or you can also do it, still do it by mail. So we are so glad you're here this morning, and um, we're just going to look forward now to hearing Paul share his message with us. Great day. Well, thanks, Chris, for doing that for us. Um, while that was going on, we had a huge thunderclap shake the whole room back here with lightning. So if we happen to cut out, um, there's nothing we can do about that. I'm going to invite you to uh, take a moment and join me in prayer right now. And I'd like to pray for us. Father in heaven, uh, may your name be glorified today. May you establish your kingdom so that things happen here on earth just like they do in heaven. May you give us the things that we need for today and grant us the bread of the kingdom for tomorrow. Forgive our sins, Lord, as we forgive others when they sin against us. May we not be led into temptation or trial, but if it must be, then deliver us from the evil one. The kingdom is yours. Power and glory belong to you. We recognize you this morning. We thank you for the way that you have been helping many of us. We thank you for the way that you've been speaking to us directly. We thank you for the way that you have been guiding us. Father, we recognize today that a lot of people have had their lives turned upside down uh, because of what's happening with this virus. Either family members are sick with it or people that they know or love, or they've uh, been put out of work, or they're running a business and they're not sure uh, how they're going to stay afloat, uh, or they're tired of being stuck at home. There are so many people with a variety of needs, and more than ever, uh, we ask you to uh, fill us with your love for one another, that we might do what we can to serve one another, to help one another, to encourage one another. 
God, for all those that are here uh, tuned in this morning, may we hear your voice and your instructions and what we need for this day. And you do so well at that when we have a need um, that you provide, even when we're not looking, even when we can't see it, when we take the time to reflect, we, we see how you have been at work in our lives all along. And we know that that will be no different today. So we're grateful that you are at work in this world. We're grateful that even now as we're spread all over the Georgian Triangle and some from other parts of the world, uh, you're with us and you're present with us. And for that, we say thank you. Amen. Okay, kids. We've got lots of kids that are watching. A lot of families are sitting at home and they are on the couch or in the living room, wherever they might be. Uh, Kids, I want to play a little game with you. It's a game called Simon Says. So are you ready to play Simon Says? Okay. Simon Says, get up out of your chair and stand with your arms at your side. Simon Says, get loose and relaxed. Okay. Simon Says, do a little dance. Okay. Do a little dance. Do the happy dance. Yeah. Okay. You can stop now. Ah, Simon didn't say stop. Okay, let's try this again. Simon says, put your hands on your head. Simon says, put your hands down on your side. Simon says, sit down. Simon says, get really comfy. Snuggle up to your mom or dad if you're too old for that. Just sit beside them nicely. Simon says, stay like that for the next 15 minutes while I talk. You're welcome, Mom and Dad. Simon says, stay. Okay, we are in week four of a series that we've called A Jesus Creed. And it's a creed that Jesus gave us not just to know but to live by. He was asked once, uh, we have a record of this in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, what is it that God wants from us? What's the most important thing we're supposed to do? And Jesus simply replied and said, actually, you can take everything that the scriptures tell us and sum it up into two things. Love God with your whole being, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is just as equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's the creed he gave us. And we've been learning about that over the last four weeks. So in everything that's been happening with the crisis of uh, the pandemic that we're in right now, I was reminded of somebody that a lot of you are familiar with. His name is Fred Rogers, or we all know him affectionately as Mr. Rogers. I so desperately wanted to get a cardigan today and put it on and put on my my running shoes. Uh, I didn't have any. But Mr. Rogers was somebody who, who not only understood the Jesus Creed, but he lived it. And he actually taught millions of us what that looks like in daily practice. And I actually was a kid, I didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers. I know that some of you might find that hard to believe, but... Um, I wasn't really into that kind of thing. Not that I remember anyway. But recently I've been learning a little bit more about the man. And I've been learning about um, the way he lived. And I watched the documentary recently. 
And he talked about um, as a boy when there were scary things happening. And one of the things Mr. Rogers did well was to help us learn how to talk to children about the things that are happening in this world. And he didn't shy away from difficult conversations or difficult subjects. And I think what we're experiencing right now, he actually had a good word for us. And it was a reflection he had of a conversation with his mother. And this is what he said in an interview about, uh, about being a boy. He said, when I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. And my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always be able to find people who are helping. Look for the helpers. You see, in times of crisis, the helpers are the people who understand what it means to love your neighbor. And they might be uh, people of any race, any background, any language, any, any color. They just understand this value. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. And they live out the beauty of that. And his mother was helping him see that. So in the time that we're experiencing right now, all of us, I think Mr. Rogers still offers us a good word. Look for the helpers. And I think the story that we've been looking at, at least the, the encounter Jesus had with the religious expert where he gave us the Jesus Creed, fits so well with, with that idea. When you are a neighbor to those in need, you are being a helper. And people notice that. And people don't forget it because it's a beautiful thing. Now, rather than looking at Matthew 22 uh, in this account of the Jesus Creed, I actually want to jump over to Luke chapter 10. See, Matthew gives us a good news story about Jesus. That's what, when we talk about the gospel of Matthew, gospel just means good news. It's a good news story. It's an historical account of the life and teachings of Jesus. And we have another one by a man named Luke. And I want to look at Luke 10. In Luke 10, there is a religious expert, somebody apparently like a pastor, somebody who understood the scriptures, who, who knew uh, theology, and he had a conversation with Jesus. And in Luke 10, beginning at verse 25, Luke says that the religious leader said to Jesus, what should I do? to inherit eternal life. And Jesus replies and says to him, well, uh, what do the scriptures teach? And he answers Jesus and says, love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replies to him, uh, then go and do these things and you will live. In hearing Jesus respond that way, the man wants to justify himself, Luke tells us. And so he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And we'll get back to that in a moment. But rather than answering the question directly, Jesus actually tells him a story. And he tells him a story that many of us are familiar with. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. So there's a Jewish man in the story. Jesus says there's a Jewish man. He's in Jerusalem and he's traveling down to Jericho. And along the way, he gets uh, ambushed by, by robbers and they beat him and they strip him naked. They take everything he has and they beat him so that he is unconscious on the side of the road. 
And in the story, Jesus says, a priest came along from the temple in Jerusalem, kind of like the pastor, came along, and when he saw the man on the side of the road, rather than helping him, which is what you're expecting the story to say, he actually goes to the other side of the road, goes around him so that he doesn't defile himself, and he carries on his way. And then uh, a temple assistant, a, a person named a Levite, comes along, and rather than helping the man, he does the same thing as the priest. So you've got the, the religious person, his assistant, his helper, and then people are expecting the next person to come along would be one of the, the people who are just there helping out in the temple. But Jesus doesn't use that person as an example. He actually says, and then along came a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews were enemies of one another. And there's a plot twist now the enemy of the Jewish people is actually becoming the hero of the story. The enemy of the Jewish people is actually becoming their teacher. And so Jesus says, when a Samaritan saw the Jewish man on the side of the road, he helped him. He bandaged his wounds. He treated them. He put the man on his donkey and he took him to an inn, probably the next town. And then he paid the, the owner of the inn uh, enough money for the man to stay probably for a week or two until he got better. And he says to the owner of the inn, if he incurs any other expenses beyond what I've given you, I will come back and I will pay you the rest. And then Jesus turns to the religious leader and he says, now which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? And the religious leader who had been trying to justify himself can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan he just simply says, well, the one who had mercy on him. And then once again, Jesus says to him, we'll go and do these things. I love this story. One, it's a great story. And when you study it and you learn about it, you catch on to some of the real surprises. For example, uh, the plot twist of the Samaritan being the hero, the Samaritan being the teacher. You know, it's hard to, to understand uh, what the animosity was like between Jewish people and Samaritan people. And a great modern-day comparison would actually be Jewish people today and Palestinians, where there's, there's some, some, we hear some good news stories of them getting together, but for the most part, these two nations, these two ethnic groups, they do not like each other. And there's lots of reasons for why that's happening. But if you were to... Um, replace the Samaritan with the Palestinian, it would give you kind of the same sense of the surprise in the story. And this Samaritan man, by loving his neighbor, is setting aside his, potentially his hatred. He is setting aside all of the past. And when he comes across a person on the road, he sees someone in need. And he takes it upon himself. He, we're told he had compassion on him. And we're told what he did. He took a huge risk. And sometimes loving your neighbor means you've got to be able to take that risk. If you think about this for a moment, <clears throat> the Samaritan is in a Jewish area. Jerusalem is in Judea. Uh, Jericho is in the surrounding region. The majority population are Jewish people. And, and maybe he was in the city, actually, uh, at the temple. We're not told, 
But what we are told is that when he sees the man, where the religious people wouldn't help this man because they didn't want to defile themselves, so their religion was more important than showing mercy and compassion on someone in need. That's interesting. But the Samaritan sees him and he bandages his wounds, puts him on the donkey. This man has no identification. He doesn't know if he's a Samaritan, if he's a Jew, if he's a Phoenician or an Assyrian or any other people group of the time. He just sees somebody in need. And he takes him to the next town, to the inn in the next town, probably run, uh, owned by Jewish people. Now think about this for a moment. This enemy of the Jews is coming into town with a Jewish man on his donkey who has been all beat up. What are people going to think? It was a huge risk for him to do what he did for this man. In fact, you're left wondering, did they beat him up? We're not told. Jesus doesn't tell us. I think he leaves us hanging. And we're just wondering uh, maybe what would have happened. At least the original hearers would have been thinking these thoughts for sure. It grabbed their attention like it still does for us today. So he took a huge risk doing this, but it also was at great cost to himself. The story tells us that he gave the, the innkeeper, the owner of the inn, uh, two coins. Those coins were worth about a day's wages. And for the economy of the time, he essentially paid for this man to stay in the inn for a week to two weeks. And then said to the owner, if he incurs any other costs, I'll come back and I will, I'll pay it. That's a huge cost to himself. He has no idea what's going to happen while he's away. And when he comes back, he doesn't know what's going to be left owing, if anything, or a huge amount. But he was willing to pay that cost. He was willing to take that risk. You know, in this story, um, the religious leader says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And he's asking this question because he has a framework for how things should work in life. He knows how his, ritual, how his ritual can show that he loves God or how his religion shows that he can love God. But when it comes to loving your neighbor, he has a very... Um, predefined, narrow uh, scope of what that looks like. And he's asking Jesus this question, when I look around me, who am I supposed to be nice to? Who am I supposed to love? Because in his mind, some people are not worth loving because they're not like me, they don't think like me, they don't behave like me, they look different, they're dirty, I don't want to love them, so I shouldn't have to love them. And he's looking for identifying the people who are neighbors, And yet Jesus tells the story of the Samaritan. And then at the end of it, he says to the man, not so who was the neighbor. He actually says, which one of the three was a neighbor to the person in need? You see, the religious leader was looking for people that he would identify as being in or being out. Jesus turns that completely upside down and says, rather than trying to identify who you think should be in or out, just be a neighbor to anyone in need. The onus is on you, not on the the people to behave in a way that makes them worthy of being loved. The onus is on you to actually love. And that is where the risk and the cost comes. See, I think it's easy to be religious and to love God. 
You just do the things that everyone thinks that you're supposed to do. And then you can show people, this is how I love God. But when it comes to loving your neighbor, well, that gets different. There are people who are easy to love. And even the people who are easy to love that are in need, sometimes it's hard for us to actually meet those needs out of love. But when, it's, when it is people that we, that we don't want to love, that is where things get beautiful. When we let God work through us so that we can actually love the people that we least want to love, that is what good news looks like. That's gospel. That is beautiful. And Jesus is pushing this religious leader, this religious person, to throw away their framework and their worldview that is restricting people from having access to God. And he's saying, live this way. Love your neighbor like this Samaritan. And in case you miss it, this is a Jesus story because it's a story that Jesus told, but this is a Jesus story because it's a story about him. This is a story about Jesus. About how much he's willing to risk for us. It's, it's a story about how much he's willing to pay the cost that he took upon himself to show us God's love. And then he invites us to receive that love. And when we receive that love, it allows us to love God with our whole being. And it allows us to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. See, at the end of the day, being, uh, loving your neighbor is about being a good neighbor to everyone who is in need. It's not about deciding who should and who shouldn't get your love. It's about being that loving person to anyone who's in need. Compassion and mercy always trump religion and doctrine in God's kingdom. Jesus taught us that. Jesus lived that for us. And Jesus invites us to live that very same way. So that's my encouragement for you. You might be sitting at home and thinking, well, who's my neighbor? And I think Jesus tells us the story of the Good Samaritan to actually show us, don't go looking for, for who should and shouldn't get. Just go out and be the kind of person that gives love to anyone who needs it. And I have a, a suspicion that there are people in your life that are very hard for you to love. They might even be in your house right now. Or maybe they're on your street. Or maybe they are in the community or at work. And there's a challenge here for you today from the Good Samaritan. What does it mean for you to love them? To have compassion and mercy on them, particularly if they are in need. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. Amen. So here's a, a little bit of um, follow-up from last week that I just want to share in wrapping up. Last week, we asked you to go on our Facebook page, New Life Collingwood, and share some of the ideas you have of how we can practically love our neighbors. Uh, some of you did that, but I want to encourage you to, uh, to access our Facebook page and share those ideas. We are all sitting at home um, looking for ways to do things. 
And if you can go in the comments on that post on our Facebook page and just throw down the ideas. Uh, they don't even have to be good ideas. The ones I shared last week might have been good. They might not have been. But use that and make this a, a place where we can, can share more of those ideas. Many of you signed up for our COVID-19 response team. And what we, along with a lot of other charities, are realizing is the needs are coming in slowly, not quickly, and yet they continue to come in. So, so far, we've been able to help the Out of the Cold program we, uh, with food. We've been able to help several people, individuals, and families who have been in need. And this week, uh, there's a new request that has come in for us to be sewing masks for people who are working in hospice. And we have a number of people who can sew. If you've already signed up on our COVID response team, please just jump back on, send a message that says, I can sew. If you haven't signed up for that yet, if you go to our website, newlifecollingwood.com, scroll down to the bottom. On the right-hand side, there's a little button that says sign up. That will take you to service teams. You click on service teams. It's the COVID-19 response. Put your details in there and tell them, I can sew masks, and somebody will follow up with you. And we are... Um, just processing about how we're going to continue to help people in the days and the weeks and maybe even the months yet to come. So thanks for uh, signing up for that and being a part of that. One final thing that I want to share. A lot of people are feeling really anxious. They're feeling uh, uncertain about what's happening there are lots of people who right now are not working and they are not sure how well the government's going to kick in all the things that they've been telling us. There's just a lot of general anxiety in our culture. And what I realize is that people have a difficult time knowing how to manage that. So I'm going to invite you, I'm going to try something, and it may or may not be helpful, it may or may not work, but I'm going to invite you to join me Monday to Friday each week at 8 o'clock in the morning for 10 minutes, 8 a.m. for 10 minutes, for some guided reflection and prayer. A lot of people want to make sense of this, and they're not quite sure how. They want to pray, but they don't know how. A lot of people have a hard time praying in the good times, let alone in the bad times. We just feel like we're saying the same thing over and over again. Hit repeat, God, please do this. Thank you, amen. Or we feel guilty because we haven't talked to God for a long time and then we don't know where to start. So I'd actually like to invite you for no more than 10 minutes at eight o'clock in the morning, jump on to our New Life Collingwood Facebook page and I will start with a live feed tomorrow morning and walk you through some different prayers or reflections that can just ground you for the day, can center you for the day, can give you a great start. It won't be difficult, and I'll leave the resources so that you can practice them on your own. So that's an invitation. Begins tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., New Life Collingwood Facebook page. It'll be a live feed, and it'll be Mondays to Fridays. We want to grow in what it means to love God. We want to grow in what it means to love our neighbors. And I'm so glad we're in this journey together. I miss being with you guys. I miss seeing you and, uh, and interacting with you. We get to do this, and I'm grateful for the technology that allows that. 
and we'll continue to pray for you. If you have any needs, please text, please email at the church. You can call the church number, and uh, we will do what we can to take care of one another. God bless each of you for the remainder of this day, and we will see hopefully many of you tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Bye for now.